0: partner saying that's our son can you hear our son and i I couldn't and i was like where where is he but i no one can hear me because i'm so drugged that i can't lift my head up and i just remember saying like where the fuck is my baby
1: podcast, holding the space for stories and artwork about the experience of birth.
0: partner wasn't sure if he wanted to have children it had turned out that I had a bunch of like gynecological problems I'd gone to doctor after doctor and they just kept saying like you shouldn't be in pain you have a small cyst like there's no reason to be in this much pain and they just kept basically telling me I was crazy which is par for the course even female doctors were telling me you know like oh it's nothing but I finally saw this really good doctor and he said something's something's wrong right like you had a surgery to remove this, this cyst. I had one already and I, I had another one and he's like, it shouldn't be in this much pain. So why don't we look, you know, do you consent to doing like an exploratory surgery? And he went in and came back and said like, you had like the worst case of endometriosis I've ever seen. And it was so vindicating, right? Because for years I had just been told, you know, I mean, I started my period when I was 11 and so it was like, it seems like you've had it your whole life. And so I was 26 at the time when he found it. So they cleaned it all up and they said, you know, this is really serious. So you need to think about having kids now or maybe not for a long time, if ever. I, I came home and I talked to my partner and we were still unsure, but he was definitely leaning more towards the, maybe we can try having a kid, which I was excited, but then nervous about. Because it's different when, like, you have to make a decision as opposed to naturally. They said, you know, like, standard surgery stuff, where you're, you're going to have surgery, you're going to start your period right away. I didn't. And I was like, okay, I want to take a pregnancy test. And for the first time, he had really cued into this, like, struggle. And he was like, I'm so sorry. I know it's hard for you to see a, a negative test. And I didn't say anything. And he said it was negative, right? And I just shook my head. And... After that, I did. You know, I'm a reader and a researcher and like a full time student always. And so (laughs) that's how I define myself as I'm a writer and then I'm a mom. So I guess that's really it. I bought all these books and you know I started watching the the huge documentary, you know, the business of being born, and it changed the way I looked at birth. I didn't understand any of the medicalization or that C sections were even bad, but I also feel like it affected my expectations in a way that was really negative too. I really felt, you know, like prepared and excited and uh it it changed but <laughs> Well, I had wanted to see the doctor that had done all the great work for me um, on the endometriosis. But after watching the documentary, I noticed very quickly that his inclination was to surgery. And I was distrustful of him and immediately found midwives. You know, I I called my OB and they were like, we'll see you at six weeks. And I was really scared. I had been through a miscarriage very young. And so I was like, I don't want to wait six weeks. And when I called the midwives, they were like, oh, come in tomorrow. And we'll, you know get you on vitamins and we'll start all this process. So I felt immediately more comfortable. It was all women. I mean, it's it's hard to remember now because I'm in that like phase where I remember pregnancy being amazing. And (laughs) I know that it was not at all. I mean, he was huge. He um, cracked one of my ribs in my eighth month of pregnancy from just kicking it. I mean, yeah, it was it was uncomfortable and for me like I remember it was a big decision we had to make with my partner the last month of pregnancy I was like I want to take maternity leave early I knew I wasn't going back to my job we talked and talked about it and finally I just said like I've been in school full-time and working full-time my whole life like this is the last chance I get I want to take the time off and so we finally agreed okay I'll take the last month off and (laughs) all I did was sit around and watch, like. 16 and Pregnant and eat burritos and it was (laughs) amazing but also horrible because when I took the time off I was like I'm gonna read all these books and I'm gonna be so productive and I think I watched every episode of 16 and Pregnant because I found it on Amazon and was like I'm never because watching that made me feel so prepared I was like okay like I'm at least better than everybody in this show which is horrible but it's totally true because I was terrified but watching that I was like this is i've got this down right like i have a painted nursery little did i know (laughs) none of that mattered but and then like right before my due date i remember i was just so stressed and tense about it and my i have like post-traumatic stress disorder and anxiety disorder and so my therapist had been telling me you know like be aware of your body because it manifests bodily um because that might have an effect on your labor. But I had read all of these books by Ina May and whoever else. And I had thought, you know, like I went to yoga and I know how to do yoga breathing. And I, I we have a labor tub. Like this is it's going to be fine. And so my midwife noticed that I was really tense a few days before my due date. And she said, you know, you're still three centimeters. Um, you're, you look good, but it's not time yet. She's, And she just told me, she would go home, take a bath, drink a glass of wine. Like do and just calm down. And so I kept thinking my water had broke. And finally, they were like, you know, put a pad in. And if it's soaked within, you know, 20 minutes, then your water has broken and come in. And I woke up, I think it had to have been like 1130. And I woke up and I stood up and I had this huge contraction and just like a bucket of water just came out, right? I mean, and only one in 10 women even have their water break naturally. And so I I woke my partner up and I said, you know, my water broke. And he's like, no, it didn't. Because I'd been doing this all week, right? Where I'm like, I know. I, n-. And I was like, no, it really, really, it really happened. And he said, okay. And so we went downstairs and we left. But by that point, I think I was, my contractions were like three minutes apart. I mean, it was really, it was, seemed to be going really fast. We went to the hospital. They didn't have a room for us. And so... I remember I was out in the waiting room and, you know, there's all these people with like balloons and stuffed animals and it's one in the morning and they're waiting to see their happy nieces and nephews. And I'm like holding onto the wall, like trying not to scream, like just pouring fluid everywhere. It was horrible. And finally, like they got a room for me and like, I just, I knew like something was wrong, right? It was horrible. It was more pain than I had ever imagined. And that was one thing that really shocked me is I remember thinking like, I read tons of books, and none of them just said, like, you're, it's going to hurt worse than anything you've ever felt in your life. And it's like, why Why was this not in the books? Like, sure, I have a labor tub, and and sure, I have, you know, like, good breathing skills and a tennis ball on my back, but none of it's it's working. So I we're tearing my clothes off because I didn't want them on my body, and they, waiting for the labor tub to fill. And once I finally got into the labor tub, that helped for a while. Because at this point, I think my contractions were, like, a minute and a half apart, and it was really really bad and it was really painful and I just kept thinking like nobody told me it was going to be this bad and then I felt stupid because I'm like well of course it was going to be bad but and we had had this you know ridiculous now I look at it and I just laugh like this ridiculous birth plan right like we're going to have essential oils and soft music playing and no lights on and no hospital gowns and no hospital personnel and no medication and and it's so idealistic so this was I think like six hours maybe maybe four to, four or five hours um and they were like hey we're gonna check you and I thought for sure you know I was six or seven I was four centimeters and I just like I'm doing all this stupid breathing stuff and visualization and none of it's working and and I finally just I I just can't do it and I I said like I need something like I don't want an epidural and I think because he was taken by surprise and because I had told him so adamantly that I didn't want medication my partner kind of, I don't want to say argued with me, but was like, are you sure you want this? And I had taken this as like disappointment and like he's disappointed in me and I'm weak for needing it. And, and I was just like, I don't, I don't care. So they gave me, I think it was Demerol and they had to like hold me down and give me a shot because I didn't have an IV and um, it didn't do anything. Like it just made me dizzy and made me sick. And I was like, well, why the hell would you tell me this would help? because it didn't help and now I feel like I failed and I'm not even relieved of any pain now if my midwife at that point had said the next six will go a thousand times faster but nobody told me that either and so I was just I felt defeated and tired and I remember thinking if I could just get like 20 minutes of sleep I would have done so much better and so I was in the labor tub and I remember Like, clear as day even now, I had this horrible contraction and all I wanted to do was push. And I said, like, all right, like, I I need to push. And they said, no, there's no way. There's no way. And I said, yes, there is. And they're like, it's going to, you don't want me to check you. And I said, yes, I want you, like, you need to do it. So I got out of the tub, I, you know, dried off or whatever. And they checked me and they were like, oh, my God, it's time to push. They said, there's a lip of your cervix that we can wait for or we can manually push it and I said I and they said it will hurt really bad I said I don't care I'm in so much pain just do it wait for the contraction and do it and so they did it and I started pushing and it felt really good like I felt really happy I I was excited and it was still painful but I was channeling that pain into pushing and I like I I hit like a second stride and or maybe a first stride because I never really felt like I had one and i was pushing and pushing and my midwife kept saying like oh you're doing so good like good job she was being really encouraging and then she left and she said just take a take a break and she left and she came back with a woman i didn't know who looked like a doctor and the midwife says to the doctor right in front of me she's been pushing for two and a half hours and the baby hasn't moved And I was like, what, were you going to tell me? And so the doctor said, well, like not at all. He said, no, the baby hasn't descended. The baby, she's 10 centimeters. We moved the cervical lip. I mean, the baby was fine, right, but hasn't descended at all. And so she, I remember the doctor goes in to like feel the baby and it was horrible. Like the pain was awful and she, she said, he's he's stuck, he's twisted, he's in the wrong position, um, he's never going to come out this way, so I need to twist him, twist him back. And I said, okay, fine, twist him back, and she tried to do it, and I couldn't, I just couldn't handle it. And I think part of it's because she was a complete stranger, and now I see, like, it's my PTSD, and it's all these things. I mean, she had her whole hand up my vagina, like, of course, it would cause me anxiety. And so she said, like, you need to get an epidural, like, she can't do this, like, it's time for an epidural. Like she just and at that point I, I, I think I fought for a little bit and I finally just I just gave up. So the anesthesiologist comes in and you know you have to sit up straight and hold your back really still, which is incredibly hard when you have contractions coming every you know 45, 30 seconds. And he's like, okay, it's in. Wait 20 minutes and you know it'll start to feel much better and 20 minutes pass and I'm like, I still feel everything. And the thing that was bothering me the most is that the nurses didn't believe me. And I was like, no, I'm telling you, I feel everything. And so the anesthesiologist came back and said, oh my god, you're right. He was really nice, Um, and he did it a second time. And the second time it worked. And so I was pushing, and it was the same thing. It was so much harder because I couldn't feel anything. But I had the midwife I liked, and you know my partner, and they were holding my legs back, and it it was so weird because I was pushing something I couldn't feel. But they kept saying like, you're doing good, like keep pushing, you're doing great and they're like okay just take a break your contractions are slowing down which I'm sure was because of the epidural and I was starting to get frustrated but I was not in pain I remember when when it stopped the pain stopped and they said like you just had a contraction I started crying and I remember it was because I was so relieved but also because I was so sad and I didn't expect to be sad when the pain was gone but I was I felt like defeated Um, they came back and they said okay you really you really have to push you really have to put into this and I did and it seemed like things were going well and then the doctor came back in and they said the baby still has not moved at all and it had been another 2 hours of pushing and so I said no I said I'm not getting a C-section and the doctor said I'll let you push another hour but that's it this is all you get and if the baby hasn't moved we need to we need to move on and I think a, a big moment for me That was really devastating was in that between time of like, we'll let you push one more time Um, in between the pushing one more time and them telling me I had sat on the epidural button because they had put it in the wrong. And so I got like way numb, way fast, which wasn't supposed to happen. And that was also like a horrible thing. I remember my fingers feeling tingly. And again, I'm telling the nurses like something's wrong And they're like, no, it's fine. And then finally, my partner sees that I'm on the fucking button. And so then they're like, okay, well, we're going to try pushing again. And I knew that third time I was pushing that last hour that it just wasn't, I knew it wasn't going to happen because I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't feel my chest. I couldn't feel, I just was, I mean, I was devastated. I remember I was laying there and I was like, like naked and the the sun was coming in and i had all these nurses and midwives and doctors and my partner and i was just hysterical and i think both my the midwife i trusted and my partner like at the same time was like like fucking you give her a minute right like she's completely losing it here and so everybody left and i just calmed down and i i told my partner i said i It was really hard, and I finally just said, fine, whatever, like, I don't care. So then I started prepping, and I don't remember any of that. I remember, you know, obviously they put an IV in. I don't remember being wheeled to the room. That's something that I've been trying to conjure, and I just don't remember any of it. I remember being in the room, and I remember just laying there crying. There's all these people around me. I can't move, and... The curtain was there. And I remember I just kept saying, like, I want him to go straight to my chest. And my midwife said, absolutely, we can still do that. And I said, and I told everybody that would listen, I want him. I want to get my skin to skin. I want him right on my chest. I'd like, that's fine. Like, fine, I have a C-section. Because they said, sometimes we move babies and they move right back. And I said, well, just his temperament alone, I can see, like, maybe that's the type of baby he is. And they said, it's, of course, he'll go just like a regular birth. And that's what I kept saying. That was a big deal to me. It was written fifteen times in my birth plan, and and I had come to terms with it pretty quickly. Um, but I said like, but I as long as he gets put on my chest, and everyone agreed that was going to happen. And I, I remember it was dim because I told them I didn't want the lights on, and so they, they try my midwife tried very hard to make it how I wanted it, and I'll I'll never forget like it's so hard for me. I remember my partner saying. That that's it, like that that's our son. Can you hear our son? And I I couldn't. And then all of a sudden, so like I'm like I'm hearing the sound behind me. And I was like, where where is he? But I no one can hear me because I'm so drugged that I I can't lift my head up. And I just remember saying like, where the fuck is my baby? And my partner's trying to stay with me and I was like, Why is he why isn't he on my chest? And he he said, Well, he was ten pounds, that's why he he wouldn't come out, whatever and and I was like, Where where's my baby? Like I don't care how big he is and um when they did finally put it he was wrapped in this blanket and I couldn't Like, I couldn't even lift my head. I remember trying to tell anybody, but I I couldn't project my voice. I remember trying to say, like, somebody help me. Like, I couldn't even see him. I mean, it was horrible. It was the worst feeling I've ever felt in my entire life was, like, there was this blanket between us, and it was horrible. It was, like, the one moment I wanted, and it just didn't happen. And, I mean, it's ridiculous that it bothers me because we're so bonded, but it still really, it made a big difference to me, and I just... I wanted, like, there was nothing more in my entire life I've ever wanted than to lift my head up and hold my own baby, and I couldn't do either one because I was so drugged, and I was so unhappy. And I remember feeling really guilty for being so unhappy because it's supposed to be, like, the best moment of my life, and it's fucking hard, and it's painful, and it's awful, and I felt like it was a huge disservice to me that I was told this was a magical, mystical, beautiful, transcending Experience. And I'm sure for some people it is, and great for them, but th- my experience has been that it's not. And most people that I talk to, it's not. When people say that because the baby is here and healthy, there's nothing to worry about, they're removing the mother from the equation, which makes me really angry because, like, it didn't happen to the baby, it happened to me and it happened to my body. And, like, The birth experience is more my experience than it is his. Of course I'm happy that I have a baby. That's why I got pregnant, and that's why I didn't have an abortion or give him up for adoption, but that doesn't mean that something didn't happen to me and that I wasn't there. And basically it's how when people ask women how they're doing, what they really want you to say is fine, right? I'm doing fine. And I feel like that's the same thing with like childbirth. If someone does ask you, they don't want to hear like, I felt like my insides were being ripped inside out, they, they just want to hear, like, it was a beautiful, magical experience, and it was the best day of my life, and it's that whole, well, like, mothers are selfish if they think about themselves, and it's like, I, I'm a person and I'm a mother, I'm not one or the other.
1: storyteller is Natasha Murdoch. To experience more stories and artwork, or to become a participating storyteller or artist, please visit us at www.creativepush.org. was founded by Forrest Solis. Our story editor is Ashley Zikowski. The theme music was composed and performed by Trevor Shipley and recorded by Mike Walls at Audio Esoterica in Baltimore, Maryland. This is your producer and host, Rosalind Shipley, holding the space.